Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. But, um, you know what happens when you pray for people um, like we just did? The, um, honestly, you feel like you begin, um, do you remember that, the widow who just, they, when, they, when they, she started to pour, the oil just kept flowing. It's what ha- it feels like what happens. And I don't know whether the, that vial of oil broke or where the oil came from. Well, I, was just, I was just lathered right up there. Um, beautiful. Great. All right, I've got a few things I want to share with you this morning. Welcome to church, everybody. You're in the right place, and for the next few moments, I want to share a very uh, personal and current uh, word for us. Tonight, we'll be down at EV again. East Village is rocking and, rock, rocking and rolling right there. The first of four. We, um, our intention and uh, plan is to um, plant uh, four uh, campuses in strategic locations in the, next, in the next three years, I guess now. And um, so let's, let's, watch. let's watch how that goes. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel, if you would, please. And um, I'm just going to share, uh, our topic is about identity. And, um, and last week we went into a fairly lengthy talk, a fairly energetic talk there on, uh, on becoming. <clears throat> and um, so I just want to, I want to work on that, continue to work on that. And... Um, as, I, as, as uh, we keep, uh, um, let me just begin to read that. So I'm just getting my, gathering my thoughts about me here, and um, I'm, we're going to be just fine. Bible talks about those who do the word, not hearers only, <clears throat> doers. So really, we, we are those, we're those doers. We're those people who don't hear only, but, but we, we do. And part of doing is the renewing of our mind, the becoming who we've been called or created to be is a process. Um, to, disciple making is a process. Uh, salvation is an event, happens in, a, in an instant. When we have faith in Christ, we accept what Christ has done for us, salvation happens instantaneously. And, um, and it's a bit of a, it's still a, it's the greatest miracle ever. But, but now it's about our lives now becoming shaped and conformed to the image of Christ. And that process is called dying to self. It's letting go of old ideas and grabbing onto new ideas. And you'll never change anything sustainably in your life until you change the way that you think. And so this is what Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 is about not being conformed or poured into a mold that culture wants to pour you in to, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that process of renewing your mind is basically what I want to talk about today. And, and when, when we were told, when Christ just, before Christ, just before he left, ascended, he gave us what's known as the Great Commission, and that's to go into all the world and, uh, and preach the gospel and make disciples of nations, what he says, and teach them to obey all those things that I have taught you. Uh, teaching is a fairly simple process. It's a transfer of information. The teaching them to obey is a whole other catch. Um, so, you know, I mean, my wife has taught me things, but that I obey those things is another deal. And the same with our kids, as a matter of fact. 
Um, teaching them things is one thing. Teaching them to obey those things is another thing. So Jesus had one plan, and that was the church. That's plan A, there's no plan B. And that we would become like Christ, and that's why often we use the term Christians, the little Christs is used. Um, no other world religion ever said anything like Jesus did in that Matthew 28 commission. Nobody else said that. And that all authority has been given unto me, and now I'm going to be with you. I'm coming with you. That, that amazing thing of knowing that wherever we go, Christ with us. And, as, and that's, that to me is a wonderful, wonderful promise. Um, um, okay. Let's not get smart about that, but I was just thinking, well, no, let me just read, read the word here. Second Samuel chapter 7, uh, in, this, in this becoming process, um, because we are all becoming, you're all being becoming something, and who or, who or what has the influence or the say in what you become? Uh, that's that's my, my topic this morning. And... And it's really interesting, this passage in chapter 7 and verse 18 of 2 Samuel. This is the second time David asked this question. If you're wondering what goes through the mind of world leaders, it's probably something like this. They, they all, you mean, you mean people still wonder about their identity once they have made it to where they've set out to get to? I, I honestly believe, yes, that they do. And you may be asking that question this morning, like David asked right here. And, he, and, and it's really, this is a wonderful, just a few passages here. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he prayed, who am I? Well, he's King David. <laughs> That's who he is. But he's asking a deeper question than that. Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what's my family that you brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything that you speak of giving me, a lasting dynasty, what the, you have a promise for me that you're taking me someplace, and you need to prepare me socially, mentally, spiritually for that place you're taking me to be the one who, who you're giving the lasting dynasty to. Do you deal with everybody this way, oh Lord? What more can I say? You know what I am really like. There's one who knows what you're really like. We're not even really sure what we're really like, I don't think. I'm not sure I am. I like to think I know me. I have a pretty good relationship with me, not bad. But I also have a, this great uh, gift of denial. And I can think I'm something that I'm not really. Has anybody else faced that particular challenge? That you, right, we, and it's easy for us to think higher of ourselves than, than we should. I was on a photo shoot this week, and as a model, I find that <laughs> you're so vain. You probably think this sermon's about you, don't you? How, oh, Lord, uh, you know what I'm really like. You know what I'm really like. And for the sake of your promise, I love that, and according to your will, you've done all these great things and have shown them to me. He not only did them, but he revealed them to him. The thing that God wants to do in your life, he's revealing it to you. When you looked on the other side of that mountain, what did you see? You should have saw a land of promise. It's not that, that where you've been is only where you've been. It's not where you're going. And the Lord actually has a better future planned for you than you could plan for yourself. So he, he says that for, yours, for your promise, sake of your promise, and according to your will, you've done all these things and have shown them to me. How great you are, Lord. There's no one like you. There's no other God, capital G. We've never even heard of another small G, God, like you. 
I love this. Here's what's important about this. I feel like when I read this passage that I've been let into the thought process of a world ruler. He, he's, he, in the privacy of his study and in some place where he prays, we have access to his thoughts. And in his thoughts, he asks, who am I? The question is classic among the entire human condition. You may be asking it specifically this morning that you ask the question is very normal. Who you ask it to is critical. Where will you take that question? As a son uh, or as a child, you likely could take that to your parents. But they may not have the full understanding of that. If David would have taken that question to his dad, his dad would have said, well, you're a shepherd. But instead, his heavenly dad said, no, no, you're a king. Ray Bolts used to sing a song, when some see a shepherd, I see a king. Or something like that. It's a great, I mean, it's old, but it's true. The question is, like, like, what does he see? Because what he sees is what you and I need to become. And, and I'm not sure how you see yourself, but be careful who you take that question of who am I, careful who you take that to. If David would have taken that question to his brothers, well, they would have said, well, you're, uh, you're, you're like a delivery boy. Because they are his brothers were the ones that brought the sandwiches to them in the front lines. That's who you are. And they couldn't see him as anything different. If he would have taken that question to Goliath, Goliath would have said, well, you're bird feed. Because he said, that's what I'm going to do with you, throw you the birds. If he would have taken that question to King Saul, wouldn't it have been great if King Saul would have had the eyes to see what the David was about to become the next king and prophesied that over him. But instead he looked at him and he said, you're just a boy. So, so here's what's really important for us. The question is completely valid, but it's important of who you take that question to. Because if you take that question, man, to GQ magazine, they'll say you don't have enough, you only got to have four of the six pack or something. I, only, I got five. I mean, I lost one. That's what I mean. Where are you going to take the question of who you are? If you're not careful, you could take it to your bank balance. If you're not careful, you could take it to the diplomas on your wall. If you're not careful, you could take it to your family line. Well, you say, oh, we, we grew up on this side of the tracks and we're always going to be on this side of the tracks. What if the Lord's got a different idea about you? Here's what he did. Is he took his question. He went in before the Lord. He closed the door. And who do you say I am, Lord? That's where we take a question. The only one that knows who you really are is the one who designed and created and made you. Nobody else can answer that question completely and fully. Be careful where you take your identity questions. Critical. So David took it before the Lord. I love that. He asked that question in chapter um, 18 as well. So he, he asked it twice. But we need to be careful where we take that, our question. Um, the surest way to live with a mistaken identity is to seek identity outside of the identity giver. I'm, I've... Whenever I read through the New Testament, through the Gospels, I'm so impressed at how impressed Jesus is with unimpressive people. You, know, you notice that? He just stops and, 
looks at someone, he goes, you know, like, Zach, you're awesome. I'm coming to your place. I'm going to hang out with you. And you go, really? He's, how did he? Well, he saw past all that other stuff. Because Zacchaeus was more than just a tax collector. He was able to see. He, he'd been shown. He, was, he had eyes to see. Your and my uniqueness is not just God's gift to you, but it's our gift back to God. This David is bringing maximum honor and glory to God because he's following his design and he's thanking the Lord for it. I think that that's beautiful. How great are you, O Lord? That's worship. That's what that is. Turn to John chapter 1. Last week we talked about becoming a child of God in chapter verse 12. But now we look at John, and John has actually been asked, he gets asked the question five times in, in these uh, verse 19, in these four or five verses. He gets asked. It's interesting if somebody asks you, because here's what I know about our enemy. He will always challenge our identity. If you've never heard it before, he, it's words like this. Who do you think you are? That's how it comes. It comes like an accusation as the accuser. That's how it comes. Who do you think you are? Well, I'm glad you asked, and I need an answer for that every time. And so he, here in chapter 1, sorry, in verse 19, he's asked five times. This is the testimony of John when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John whether he claimed to be the Messiah or not. He flatly denied it. I'm not the Messiah, he said. Well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? No. Well, are you a prophet? No. Well, then tell us, because we need to give an answer to the people that sent us. John says, here's my answer, and here's where I found it. I found it in the book of Isaiah. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make a straight path for the Lord. That's who I am. You and I, he, he, did, he did what you and I were intended to do. Whenever you're wondering about your identity, you don't take that question to culture. You don't take it to the movies. You don't take it to indigo and look through books to discover who you are. This isn't a time of self-discovery. It's looking to the Lord who, who designed you and who made you, and you take your question of identity to the Word of God. That's where we find out who we are, who we're created to be, and who we're created to become. We get it from the word of God. This happened in the life of Jesus after a major confrontation with the enemy. Here's what happens because if, if, frankly, I think that the Lord is the one who designs these battles for us to remind us who we are. You wonder, did God design that battle for David or not? (laughs) You kind of wonder because it's that door that opened for him a whole new realm. What is, so Jesus comes out of the desert. He'd been dealing with the enemy. And the enemy asked him three self-identity questions. Whenever you're in a wilderness, you begin to question who you are. Your security gets all thrown in the air. Whenever we're in places of transition, whenever we're in times of, of distress, we start to wonder, gosh, who am I again? And we do go through this, this little this self-evaluation. Who am I? And this is what Jesus said when he came out of the desert in Luke chapter 4. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's called me to do this and this and this and this. Your identity clearly comes from the word of God. He was quoting from Isaiah. Your identity, who you are and who you're called to be in any situation, in any circumstance, you need to look to the word of God to discover who you are. Our identity and our questions of identity need to be taken to the Lord and he will remind you of who you are and he'll show you who you're becoming. I know. I feel it. feel it in my belly. Very interesting. I love that. And he said, this is who I am. Well, he could have answered that question according to his family line. 
He could have said, well, I'm the son of Zechariah, the great priest, because he was. Or I'm the son of Elizabeth. Great. Say all from the lineage of Levi. Wouldn't that have been great? Like, that's a pretty good answer. He could have said, you know, I'm that guy that had the miracle birth. Some of you have had miracle births, and some of you are in the process of giving birth to a miracle. He could have answered it that way. I'm a miracle. I'm a, I'm a miracle. That's what I am. And I'm here because the Lord preserved me and protected me in that. He could have said this. This is the one I probably would have flipped out of my back pocket. I'm the cousin of the Messiah. Not bad. I would have used that. Heck yeah, I'll leverage anything I can. But here's instead what he said. I'm going to take my identity from the revealed word of God. I'm that one that's bringing this message from the desert. Make way for the presence of the Lord. He found his identity in the word of God. And that's where you and I find our identity as well. I love that. Uh, He went to the word of God. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare or make a straight path for our Lord. I, you know, when I looked, when I read through the book of John and uh, Jesus had eight I am statements. Here's my conviction. You should all have at least eight I am statements. Every year I write a page of I am's. Um, I'd publish them, but it's a little bit personal. And, so, and honestly, it feels like sometimes a bit braggy. Well, I think that's okay. Shouldn't you write some good things about yourself? The Lord writes really good things about me when I read about how he, how he thinks of me. You know the Lord has thoughts for you. He has thoughts towards you to give you hope and a future. Are you catching his thoughts towards you? Because they're moving towards you, his thoughts. This is what it says in Jeremiah, that I have words and thoughts for you to give you hope and a future. He's got words of hope and words of a future that are coming towards you. Some of you received them this morning, and they're probably too good to be true. That's one of the hallmarks of a word from the Lord. It's beautiful. So I have at least I am statements all the time that I keep in my pocket. Well, I don't keep in my pocket. I keep them on my phone or in my journal. Have, write I am statements. Jesus needed I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am living life. He, he had I am statements. You have I am statements because if you don't finish that I am, whatever comes after that I will, I am, I can, those things, they actually define who you are and what you're going to do. You know you're more powerful than you think. You need to know that. And you can do things you don't think you can do. Well, what's that based on? That's where the challenge will come, and you need to ground it and root it in the word of God. I am. Um, the word, God's words, when he speaks to us, they're spirit. John 6 and verse 63. The words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they are life. He says that, that it's the, the flesh profits nothing. If somebody knows you according to the flesh, that's awesome. You know yourself according to the flesh. That's interesting. That's okay. But he said it's the spirit that actually gives life. This is an amazing thing. That his words are spirit and they are life. Bible says that man doesn't live on breads alone, but by words that proceed from the mouth of God. Did you know there's still words proceeding from the mouth of God? Because he's speaking, and he's speaking, and it's alive, and it's powerful. And when his word becomes to come at you, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says the word of the Lord is sharper than any sharp object, and it's able to divide the soul and the spirit. And it actually even says in my version, the New Living Translation, it says that it exposes us for what we really are. Do you know who you really are? Here's how you'll know who you really are. By searching the word of God. 
I'll tell you, the biggest assignment over your life, the greatest thing you can do is build an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus. And the enemy knows if he can keep you from having a relationship with Jesus on a daily basis, if he knows that he will keep you from time in the Word. It's one of the most precious things you can do every day is take time in the Word because it helps us to understand who we really are. First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16 it says, we no longer know man after the flesh. We no longer look at people after the flesh. I was interested as I thought about that this week is that you know that none of you here have known Jesus after the flesh. Nobody after 35 AD knew Jesus after the flesh. The ones who knew Jesus after the flesh in his physical form often wondered, hey, isn't this just the son of Mary? Isn't he just like the, the boy next door? Isn't he the guy that, you know, with the beard and the, mm, and the, he's just a, just a guy. Eight, all the bodily functions all took place. I don't, I, I wonder, did I, you wonder if he ever got a cold? You wonder. Maybe not. But after the flesh, that's what he's like. I, I'm willing to bet that many of you in here have had an experience with Jesus but, you, but it's not been after the flesh. But you've had a spiritual experience and you'll say, one day I met Jesus or one day Jesus met me or one day I had this experience with Jesus and you now know him after the spirit. Well, here's what we need to learn to do. I've practiced this for many years. I know my wife after the flesh, but I know something else about her, how her spirit works. And it's easier for me to because see what's going to happen? Here's what happens. As you get older, your body disappoints you. I want people to know me after the spirit, not after my flesh. Yeah, you don't need to, right? You don't, I don't want you to remember me as that guy with the awesome biceps. You, you may not know me as that. But I'm a guy, I'm, a, I'm more than that. I'm a, I am a man who has a certain spirit, and that's the spirit of Jesus, and the attributes and the characters and the quality of Christ are within me, and wherever I go, I want people to experience Jesus. He, you and I are now the body of Christ on the earth. You're a carrier of the Christ. His anointing is within you and upon you, and we need to learn to know people. Know your kids after the spirit. I go through things with my kids and my in-laws and outlaws, and I go, gosh, what, a, what are they doing? Oh, yeah, well, that's just after the flesh. They're just doing dumb things. Well, someone needs to believe in them beyond the, that moment of stupidity that they're going through and believe for something greater and something better. And here's what we need to do. I, I, I encourage you all to read through the Bible. I've done it uh, for the last 14 years, I think. Went through it in a year. But here's what's much more important than reading the Bible. It's allowing the Bible to get into you and become part of your DNA. It's not enough just to memorize Scripture. You need to personalize Scripture. And in order to personalize it, you have to visualize scripture. You have to take a word and you have to say, okay, if that word was fully functioning within my world, in my life, how would I be? And you need to see yourself functioning like that. I saw all of our kids worshiping long before they ever knew what worship was. Well, it was easy for me to relate to them as young worshipers. Do you hear what I'm saying? You need to have a greater belief in people than you have in yourself. We always need to be looking at what's going on in, this, in the spirit world and what's happening in these people's lives. 
All right, so if you were, if people knew you after the flesh, which is okay, doesn't profit much, but if they knew you after the flesh, you were, you were that guy with the big nose, that guy with the big ears, that guy with the big feet, that, you know, girl with the frizzy hair, you're all that, yeah, 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 clean up, shine up, look good. But there's another part of you, and the, the way we discover what that other part of us is and becoming is from the Word of God. We get our, our cues from the Word of God. Uh, one of the great... Um, things that I've learned about hearing the voice of the Lord, and of course, as followers, if you're going to, if you're going to know the Lord as provider, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and want for nothing. If you're going to know him as provider, you have to follow him as a follower. In order to follow him, John chapter 10 says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. You won't follow if you don't hear. How do you hear the voice of God? Let me submit to you that there's a very, very small percentage of people in the world that hear the voice of the Lord audibly. I'm not criticizing that they can and do. I don't know. I, it hasn't happened for me specifically. I've heard God speak so loudly within my heart that it sounds like he was sitting right beside me. And I think it, why? Because he, he says that whoever has an ear should hear what the spirit is saying. Why? Because it's the spirit that speaks. And he speaks to your spirit. And when he speaks to your spirit, you end up with the ones that puts the words around that impression that he gave you. Am I right? This is what's happened with me. That's what I've learned. He'll give me an impression. This morning I kept seeing these, these mountains moving. So I go, isn't that interesting? I wonder if the Lord wants to move mountains. Duh. I know. I'm just saying that you can, so what happens now, that was in a moment. This was a very strategic Kairos moment where the Lord wanted to blast mountains apart. But he wants to speak to us all the time like that and if we're not careful, we'll begin to listen then to the words that we've formed around the impression rather than trusting the impression. And in order to trust the impression and the words, you need to get the word of God that is the plumb line against how God speaks. This is his word and he will not violate his word. Okay. All right. So here's what I'm saying about us as I come to the end of this very motivational talk. No, I'm very motivated by it myself personally. Um, you know that um, I think we need more positive people in the world. Am I the only one that thinks that? We need some positive people in this world, right? Yeah, amen. But I'm not talking about positive thinking. Now think positively. It's better than negatively. So think positively. But positive, I'm not talking about positive thinking and you dreaming up an image of who you are. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about discovering how God has created you based on his truth that's forever settled in heaven. That's what I'm talking about. Positive thinking works for arguably not more than 15% of the people in terms of bringing something to pass in terms of change in your life. It's based on determination and will. I'm just gonna say it long enough and loud enough and over and over and over and pretty soon I'm gonna talk myself into it. Yeah, good luck with that because what'll happen is within you is the spirit of truth and that spirit of truth will go, uh, has anybody ever felt that before? He, so, if, so here's what I thought as a young boy, I can do anything. I think I want to be an astronaut. Uh, did you, here's, because what, inside of you, you've got, you actually have, the, you, this is how your brain and your spirit and your soul work. Your brain is, was designed a certain way. So, the, so let's be positive. 
But it's really important that you understand that just strong determination and strong will will not get the desired result for 100% of the people. This works for a percentage of people. Let's be positive and let's be optimistic. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about faith that is the substance of things. It is a structure. It is a substructure. It is you and I now are able to create and build structures and dwelling spiritually that we can become. But it's not based on your best thoughts. It's based on the word of God. You may not think that you're an overcomer, but when the Bible says you're an overcomer, do you know what that means? That means that there's weapons that are formed against you, but they won't prosper unless you let them prosper. If you are in a situation and you say, well, I think I'm just going to think positively and get myself out of here, good luck with that. If you're up to you know where in alligators, it's going to take more than positive thoughts. You actually have to do something. Are you with me? We have, that's, what we, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so, so as I wrap up, memorization, visualization, and personalization, the word must become flesh and for us to become doers of the word. This is what starts to happen in your mind. It's how your mind works. It's how all advertising works. You know that, you know that you've heard me say it before, that you don't need anything that's advertised. It's making you think that you're less than unless you have this. And pretty soon you start to visualize yourself in that. I do it. Chevys all the time. I was just mentioning this morning that, I, you know, I've got a pretty decent gun collection for, and I'm a, a hunter. And so, I, but I've thought to myself over and over, you know, there's a caliber, that, a 308 that I don't have. And you know, if I think on that long enough, you know what starts to happen? I start noticing them popping up for sale. There's a Seiko over here, there's a Tico over here, and I go, I really do need a 308, another... I'm just lying to myself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pretty soon you'll start to justify dang near anything. And then you, you can back that up with the word unless you're in the word regularly and you're allowing the spirit of truth to lead you into all truth. So what happens in situations when circumstances get on top of us, you have to get a hold of that. Because if, if, you get, if, if emotions get on top of you, they'll rule the situation. This last point I want to say is that where Jesus said to be, or sorry, Galatians 6, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap to the flesh. To be carnally minded is death. Romans 8 and verse 6, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. But if your Holy Spirit controls your mind, there's life and peace. Last point, the true you. Who's the true you? There's only one place to find out. The truth is that you're much more than anybody else has told you. You're you are strong, powerful, creative, and extremely capable. I would like the Holy Spirit to speak that to you personally. Otherwise, you'll begin to believe some of the other labels that have been put on you, whether it's from your coach or from your parents or from your best friends. Becoming demands us following and following demands us hearing. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17, and I'm really looking forward to sharing on heaven next month after next week, after Sean's here next week, which will be powerful. Bring a bunch of friends. It'll be a powerful time. Very competent minister from Bethel, little, little church down there in Reading. Um, well, I really respect what's happening in Bethel. Um, but I'm honestly, I'm just so excited about sharing about the hope of heaven. And I'm getting pretty jacked up about it all. But whenever I come to this passage, it's the message of the church at Pergamum in chapter 2 of Revelation. It said, anybody who's willing to hear should listen 
to what the Spirit is saying. This isn't anybody who has physical ears. It's he who has spiritual ears. You all have spiritual ears. You, you perceive more than you hear. Becoming a follower of Christ demands that we place our physical things, our physical senses, and submit them to the spirit that's at work within us. Is anybody who's willing should hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? Any, everybody who is victorious or overcomes will eat of the hidden manna that's been hidden away in heaven. Someday I'm going to get to taste manna. It's hidden right now. Where? I don't know. It's hidden. I just heard that question. But here's a more powerful thing, I think. And, I'll, and he says, I will, this is in red, so Jesus is speaking. And he said, I will give to each one a white stone. on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. You and I are going to be renamed and that name will embody all that we were created to be. We don't know it yet, only when it's called, when that name is called, you'll go, it's me. I don't want to miss doing and being, coming all that God's created me to be. I believe a day is coming when my name will be called and I will know the voice. And he will call me by a name that's unknown to anyone else except me. It will be a name that's given to me before my birth and only revealed to me after my death. And this name will embody all that we were called to be and become. Oh, it'd be great if we could get that name before so we could start living up to it. But I'm just saying right now that you're created for more than you're doing right now. And so am I. And so as we stand right now to close this service, I want to pray over you all that we would not miss the things that God has called us to become. Lord, we've just sensed your presence so many times in this gathering today. But I know far beyond my words, your words are beginning to stick to the hearts of men and women that are here this morning. Somebody has told them they're less than you've said about them and they've listened to that lie and they're becoming that lie rather than your truth. We command all names other than the name that you've given us. We command all names and all labels to fall from the hearts of men and women today. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak individually and very personally to everyone that's gathered here and remind them of the great destiny and call in their life. Father, I thank you for great faith that we've experienced here this morning. And now, Father, we deconstruct and we pull apart syllable by syllable those specific lies and words that have been placed on this, your beautiful bride, because of some action from their past. And I thank you that we can begin to respond to the new name that you've created us for and to be. Lord, we call forth the renewed man and woman of God, complete and whole and full of your glory, and it's for that that we pray today that you would reveal to every little girl who is now a big girl that she's beautiful and created for beauty. And for every young man 
that he's strong and created for strength. And every other lie and every other word that doesn't align with your word, we command them to fall at their feet right now. And I call forth men and women of God, strong, courageous, and bold in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a prayer team that's available to pray for you. If you'd like prayer, we've got they're available. Hope that you take a little time to meet some people at the back. You don't need to rush away. It's really great. I, I honestly really love the privilege of being able to lead this church. It's a great joy in my life and our lives. And I just thank you for being here today. Tonight we're going to be down to EV a little bit and going to keep reaching our city. And, but, but here's what's important, that we just listen. We are able to hear and obey not just the teachings, but obey the teachings from the Word of God. Take time to be in the Word this week, please. God bless you. You're released. Go and change your world.